0: Section 39 of Germany, the Netherlands, and Switzerland. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano The World's Story, Volume 7 Germany the Netherlands and Switzerland. Edited by Ava March Tappan. Section thirty nine. The Oath at the Grave of Frederick the Great, eighteen o six, by Louisa Mulbach. Clara M. Munt. Up to eighteen o six, Frederick William, King of Prussia, refused to oppose Napoleon, although the keen eyed Queen Louisa had long urged him to resist the French, with all his might. After Napoleon's victory at Ulm, however, even the king saw his danger, and was at last aroused to range himself on the side of the foes of France. THE EDITOR This new victory, this new conquest Napoleon had made in Germany, loomed up before the king as a danger which menaced himself and compelled him to take up arms for his own defence. The threatening and defiant language of the French emperor sounded truly revolting to the heart of the German king. And instead of being intimidated by this new and unparalleled triumph, by this threatening language Napoleon had made use of, he was only provoked to offer him resistance. He perceived all at once that he could only be the servant and slave of this powerful man, or his enemy and that Napoleon never would tolerate any one as an equal at his side. What were those three German princes who had found three crowns on the battlefield of Ulm? Those new kings of Wurtemberg and Bavaria, that grand duke of Baden, were only vassals and servants of the Emperor of France, who had first given, and then permitted them to wear, these crowns. King Frederick William needed no such crown. A genius stood at his side and breathed with a heavenly smile into his ear quote, it is better to die in an honorable struggle for freedom than to live in splendor and magnificence but with a stain on your honor and the king listened to the voice of his genius he listened to the voice of his ministers who implored him to defend the integrity of his state for the sake of the honour and welfare of prussia and germany he listened to the voice of his people who demanded war loudly and ardently he listened to the voice of the emperor alexander who vowed to him eternal love and eternal friendship he listened finally to the voice of his own heart which was the heart of a true german and felt deeply the insult offered to him king frederick william listened to all these voices and resolved at length on war against france on the third of november the emperor alexander and king frederick william signed at potsdam a secret treaty by which prussia agreed to intervene between napoleon and the allies by virtue of this treaty prussia was to summon the emperor of the french to re-establish the former treaties and to restore the former state of affairs that is to say to give up almost all his conquests to indemnify sardinia to recognize the independence of naples of the german empire of holland of switzerland and to separate the crown of italy from that of france if france should not consent to these conditions prussia agreed to ally herself openly and unreservedly with the coalition and take the field with an army of one hundred and eighty thousand men a prussian negotiator was to lay these conditions before the emperor napoleon and the term at which prussia should be obliged to act should expire four weeks after the date of the treaty the king who in his kindness was anxious to indemnify minister von haugwitz for the coldness with which he had been latterly treated and for his broken windows had commissioned him to deliver a copy of the treaty of potsdam to napoleon and to negotiate with him haugowitz therefore left berlin in order to repair to the emperor's headquarters it is true he did not know exactly where to find them but he was satisfied that napoleon would take care to make his whereabouts known to him by fresh deeds of heroism and victories and count haugowitz therefore set out according to the wishes of the king of prussia the treaty of potsdam for some time at least was to be kept secret only those immediately concerned should be informed of its contents but not the public generally and no one was to suspect that prussia had at length given up her policy of neutrality this secrecy however was distasteful to the emperor alexander moreover it made minister von hardenberg fear lest the king at the decisive moment might be once more gained over to his former favorite policy of neutrality by the French party at court. It would be wise, therefore, to force the king so far forward as to render it impossible for him to recede, and to betray so much of the secret of the concluded alliance as was required to fasten the king to it. Hence the emperor, at the hour of his departure for Austria, requested the queen and king of Prussia, to accompany him to the grave of frederick the great at midnight on the fifth of november they repaired therefore to the garrison church at potsdam the lower vault of which contains the coffin of the great king a single torch-bearer accompanied the august visitors whose steps resounded solemnly in the silent gloomy walls arriving at the king's coffin the emperor knelt down his face lighted up by the glare of the torch, was radiant with enthusiasm. On the other side of the dark vault stood the king and the queen, both with folded hands. The king with a gloomy and reserved air. The queen with her eyes turned to heaven, and her face beaming with pious emotion and joy. Alexander, still remaining on his knees, now raised his folded hands toward heaven. Quote, at the grave of the most heroic king, he said in a loud and solemn voice, at the grave of Frederick the Great, I swear to my ally, the king of Prussia, an oath of everlasting love and constancy. I swear an oath of everlasting constancy and love to the sacred cause which has united us for the most exalted purpose. Never shall my constancy waver, never shall my love grow cold, I swear it. End quote. He kissed the coffin and rose from his knees, his eyes, glistening with tears, then turned toward the king as he said, It is your turn now, my brother, to swear the oath. The king hesitated. The queen laid her hand gently on his shoulder and bent her beautiful face so close to him that he felt her breath, like the kiss of an angel, on his cheek. Quote, swear the oath, my friend, my beloved, she whispered. Swear to be faithful to the holy alliance against the French tyrant, swear everlasting constancy and love to our noble ally. End quote. The king hesitated no longer, he raised his head resolutely and approached the coffin. Laying his hand upon it, he repeated in a grave and calm voice the words which the queen had uttered before and which she now whispered with trembling lips. All three then grasped each other's hands, over the coffin. Thus they stood a long while, deeply moved and silent. All at once this silence was interrupted by the loud ringing notes of the church's clock, announcing the first hour of the new day. Sounds died away, and the chime of the bells now commenced playing in clear and sweet notes the old German hymn "Ob immer treu und redlichkeit bis an dein footnote holty's hymn be honest and faithful until they lay thee in thy cool grave and a footnote the king inclined his head as if in silent prayer an almost imperceptible strange smile overspread the noble features of the emperor the queen however glowing with enthusiasm exclaimed "god and the spirit of frederick the great give us the motto of our alliance" Ub immer and en redlichkeit bis ein dein cooles grap let us remember it as long as we live let us remember it repeated the two sovereigns with a firm manly grasp they looked at each other and with their eyes bade each other a last farewell then they turned silently away and left the royal vault five minutes later the emperor alexander of russia was on his way to in order to join there the Emperor Francis of Austria, who had fled thither from Napoleon and his victorious army. At Olmutz, the plan for the campaign of the Third Coalition against Napoleon was to be agreed upon. End of section thirty nine. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Greg Giordano. Newport Ritchie, Florida.